on a mission to connect with their co-host who just became a father. Two childless adventures dive deep into the cinematic portrayals of parenthood and beyond. Though they've never even held a baby, these are the tales of their adventures. This is Synanons. Hello, I'm Boom. This is Catcher. We are two-thirds of the Synanons. Woohoo! Emphasis on the nods. That's right. Because we're not parents. Without Ian, are we even? <laughs> oh my god, am I rhyming right now? So yeah, we're doing a little bit of a special ep here. A, it's just been some time. We just wanted to get back in the booth and talk about some stuff. And B, we're doing this as a surprise to our dear co-host, Ian, who recently, I was about to say gave birth. Um, he did not do that. That was no. not him. All Tara on that one. All Tara. <laughs> Sorry, Tara. Um, <laughs> who recently welcomed a beautiful baby girl into his family. Um, so he has been taking a little bit of a break. So Ketra and I are at that point in our, at that age where friends are starting to kind of just settle into the lives that we're just going to live. You know, not not everybody, but, you know, people are having babies. That's yeah. it's real. Settling down. Settling down. Yeah. Get, buying houses. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that imagine. is. Imagine. No, I can't even even yeah, fathom what we, that is. We live in yeah. Toronto. No. Could you imagine buying a house? Like, <laughs> that would be wild. I think about it sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's like, it's an exciting, like, transitional time. And I, and I. And things happen and, and life changes and we just want to do our best to kind of like connect with whatever's going on in our friends' lives. So we have decided to kind of explore the world of parenting through cinema, right? Exactly. We're pretty childless. Like, I guess you're a dog dad now. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely I'm a cat mom. Yeah. See, so we're not so of uh, like removed <laughs> from parenting, but it would seem, yeah. at least in my life, I learned all of my important life lessons through film. So it seemed yeah. the best way to do this. A hundred percent. That's like the whole premise of this show is just kind of we explore the world around us through through cinema. And Ian has had this big milestone in his life and in order to try and connect and understand what he's going through, which obviously, I mean, I'll never know what it's like to be a dad, but. <laughs> <laughs> Just a daddy. Just a dad. <laughs> That's right. I have big daddy energy. So, yeah, we're going to embark on a little bit of a series here. A two-parter. Two parts. That has no rhyme or reason to it, really. Just kind of an excuse to get in the booth. Honor our friend and talk some talk some shit, I guess. That's um, right. So first up, later we're gonna get into he got game, uh, Spike Lee joint, mm. nineteen ninety seven. How do you how do you feel about that? I honestly, when we talked about the idea of like covering a dad movie or a, a movie that yeah. would be like inspiring for dads. Not really knowing what this movie was about, <laughs> I was a random. One, it it right? kind of took me off guard. We'll get into that later, um, but I'm ex- mm-hmm. I'm very excited we covered this. I'm very excited yeah. we covered this. 
And I guess we should say, like, we did make a valiant effort to kind of, like, try to find a film to cover that had, because Ian's a girl dad now, Mm -hmm. and, like, we wanted to get a film to cover that was, like, a father-daughter dynamic, but oddly, that just doesn't actually really exist. Besides Armageddon, which obviously is off limits, because, like, if we did that without Ian, he would, like, come to Canada and murder (laughs) us. That's right, yeah. And that's, even then, like, the central plot isn't, like, father-daughter. And when when you look up films, like, if you just Google, like, father-daughter films, it's all, like, it's, like, Taken or, like, (laughs) Prisoners, where it's, like, somebody's white daughter has been snatched. (laughs) And, like, big hero daddy has to, like... (laughs) <laughs> they're a hot commodity yeah they're a hot commodity exactly. no this uh honestly uh, there is a limited like father-daughter relationship in this movie yeah but the little bit we get the daughter especially she's so cool so th- i think this fits oh yeah i think this fits a hundred percent and it's just like we've decided to just kind of look at parenting as a wholesome thing definitely from a dad perspective mm-hmm. like with the m- films we'll be covering We'll be doing another special episode um, next week as well, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But yeah, so I guess I've been rambling. I haven't done this in a while, so it feels weird. feels I'm weird just, to be back, but I'm excited. I'm just like, I've been itching like crazy. I didn't think I'd, le- I thought I'd enjoy a little bit of the time off. And I think I did for like the first week. And then after yeah. that, I was just like, I don't know how to watch movies without then talking about them on a Tuesday night. So I remember yeah. at some point I just turned to me and I'm like, I know we've talked about doing stuff, but like I'm itching and we need to do this. So I'm I'm glad yeah. we're here. Like it's time now. Yeah, exactly. I feel that too. Like summer started and I was like, oh, I'm so excited. I want to be outside and like do nothing else. But I'm just ex- excited to be like back and talking about stuff. But yeah. Um, speaking of movies, I, I do feel like since summer started, just like my, what I've been watching and how much I've been watching has definitely gone down. But one exciting thing has happened over here. Um, and theaters have opened up after about a year, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So I went the first day, uh, that theaters were open. Have you been able to make it out to? Yeah, of course. That was as soon as it opened the first two things I did was like schedule a dinner date with Emma and tell her we're going to go see a movie. Uh, So, (laughs) so, which she was obviously excited about. Um, And I went to try and check out some of like the smaller theaters in town because Mm. obviously like they would have taken a large hit and neither of them have opened yet. So I'm hoping that hope happens soon. Um, But so I bit the bullet. And I went to the Scotiabank Theater. And we were trying to figure out something to watch. And there isn't a ton of stuff out right now. Um, There Mm. is Black Widow. Emma is not a fan of the MCU stuff. Uh, F9 is out. Also not interesting to me that much. Um, Fair. Okay. Can I just say something quickly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like had very little interest in F9, but I heard a ridiculous spoiler. Okay. And in I don't know if you've heard the spoiler, I'm not going to say it, but it instantly changed my mind. Okay. And I was like, 
okay, well, now I'm so down for this because that sounds ridiculous. So maybe that's an outing we need to schedule, I think. Yeah. I think it's like one of the ones where you need to like sneak a bottle of wine into the theater for. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know all about your tactics. I know all about your tactics. Yeah. (laughs) Now you know why my purse is so big. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So smuggling wine. That's right. And snacks. Um, so yeah, so I was going through like what else was playing and lo and behold, a little gem showed up and that gem, it's not really a gem. Uh, it's escape room. This escape room sequel tournament, escape room colon tournament of champions. So a, a few months back, me and Emma were like going through movies to watch and, Across Netflix came Escape Room, which to me sounds like an absurd premise, which it is. But Emma was like, I'd seen, she had seen it, and she was like, let's, uh, I think you might enjoy just like kicking it one day. It was like raining out. And it was bad, but fun. Yeah. Like a crazy okay. premise, but like fun and enjoyable, and you can laugh along with what's going on, and you kind of feel tense. So when this sequel, popped up which we had sort of like anticipated because the first one ends on a little bit of a cliffhanger and mm-hmm. we both joked about like oh my god the sequel what imagine what that would be and so we didn't have to imagine there it was so what it happened o- that's right what an opportunity to like ring in the film going experience that we've missed so greatly yes. than to watch this movie so we got we went for an 11 p.m showing and oh, late one. Late one. But I'm always up late anyways watching a movie, so that's not like a big deal for me. We're usually up pretty late, so no problems at all. Until we got in there and the lights turned off, and I got to tell you, I only watched half of that movie because I fell asleep like 15 <laughs> times throughout the movie, and I don't know. I have no fair right to like talk no. about if it was good, if it was bad. I don't know. My first film-going experience in like a year is me like nodding in and out of sleep uh-huh. and being like thinking like I hadn't missed that much. Like I had just closed my eyes for a second, a few yeah. times. And the next thing you know, the movie was done and we left. Wow. So that was, unfortunate. was it like easy enough to like, there's some films where it's like you fall asleep and then you wake up like 10, 20 minutes later and you're like, okay, like you can catch up pretty quickly. And then there's some where it's like, that'll happen. And you're just like, well, I'm done for Like, yeah, I'm so lost. What, was it like easy to kind of like catch like catch on to, or were you just like I have no clue what's going on? I definitely thought while it was happening that I was totally fine. Like I'm I'm killing this yeah, right I- now. Like I can catch on. This is not that complicated. They've moved on to the next room. No big deal. But then by the time it actually ended, I realized like I had actually missed so much more than I even realized, <laughs> and there was just like no oh. nothing even made any sense. And so oh, I just goodness. decided to forget that 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 happened and we're just going to move on and we'll find a better nice. movie soon to watch. So. How, how did Emma feel about it? Was she like awake for the whole thing? <laughs> she was awake for the whole thing and, uh, she enjoyed it. She thought it was pretty good. Like it wasn't, okay, a, cool. it wasn't like a terrible, terrible movie. Like it kept her engaged. Um, yeah. and all the way to the end. So she, she enjoyed it, uh, probably on par with like the first one. Um, okay, cool. I remember watching the first one. I was surprised, but not surprised when they made the sequel. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I was just because I I feel like sequels to stuff like this just like happen all the time. As we were just talking about, like there's now nine Fast and the Furious right. movies, right. and you're just like, how did this even happen? Um, there are like but, ten Conjuring movies, so yeah, like well, I'll I would argue that the Conjuring at a point in time was like quite good. I think the first and second one, the actual Conjuring were movies good. themselves, were good. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen the latest one because th- I really like to go to sc- scary films like in theaters because also I can just like leave it there, you know, because yeah. I get really affected by scary movies. And like, I just haven't been able to watch like the third Conjuring because I'm just like always alone. And well, that sounds sad, but like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I'm well, just like, been I'm never like, oh, I'm going to put on the Conjuring now. Like, yeah, ugh. well, we've been Too in scary. quarantine, so that's why we've been, you know alone yeah but what about you so you've all you've also gone then yeah um i went on the friday like when they opened up um with sophie friend of the show and i went to go see zola because it came out on june 30th um and it was like my most anticipated film of the year that you mentioned that like on our show at one point just like how hyped you were about this movie oh i've been so excited about it um it was birthed from this Twitter thread um, that came out, I think it was like 2015, a sex worker, a stripper. She had this, she met this woman one day uh, who was also like also a stripper. And she went on a trip with her to like work in a club. And then from there, just like all this wild stuff happens. And she shared this all on Twitter um, I think it was like in a series of like 140 tweets and it was just like the most engaging, like ridiculous, terrifying, like hilarious thing I've ever read. So I was really excited about the film, but unfortunately I was, oh, no. I, I was like really disappointed. Yeah. I, it just. I don't know. I thought like it was kind of a done deal and there was like no way anybody could screw it up. Um, it was written by Jeremy O'Harris and directed by Janexa Bravo, who I think also co-wrote it. Um, I think it was like her first feature. Uh, she's done a bunch of shorts, but it was just a hot mess. Like the editing was just wild. There were a few like, dir- like directorial things that like, were really clever and like popped and I at the beginning was like okay like getting amped up but then unfortunately it just all fell flat like it was definitely just kind of like a style over substance situation and I think that like some of the ways that you would interpret the story um especially because it gets into a little bit of like like borderline sex trafficking and just kind of like really like hot button topics um I just don't think it was handled very well or very considerately. Um, So I was bummed. I was bummed about it, but. That's too bad. Well, so in terms of just for my own context, I have not read this epic Twitter thread. Oh, you need to. Was it, was she live tweeting as the story progressed or was it like once the whole experience had happened to her, she then like did this threaded tweet of like. Yeah, that's that the latter. So. It like she had this like wild few days and then I guess like finally got home, which is like, 
thank goodness she made it. Right. And um, was just like, I need to like get this off my chest and just like tweeted it out and it went viral. It's known on the internet now as the Thodyssey. Um, <laughs> Such a great name. And it's great. Like, it, it it's great. I think she was just like, had the intention of telling the story. Like, just like telling her story, but like the way it's written and like, just... It, it it it's great. It reminds me, my brother went on vacation with a friend of ours once, a mutual friend of ours, and uh, they got into some hijinks in Florida, like in Miami and Florida, for like three day period. And he, oh, when he God. came home, he told me that story in excruciating detail over like a 25, 30 minute period. And it was like the best rendition of a story I'd ever been told ever by any yeah. person. It was just like the most epic adventure story. So uh, maybe I'll just read the tweet and skip the movie, I guess. Yeah. Okay. I would say like, that's the way to go or do an experiment and like read the tweet and be excited about it. Cause again, it's just such a well-told story and then watch the movie and be like, how did this train wreck happen? Like you literally had a blueprint laid out for you. Perfect. Don't get it. Interesting. I know, but this is the age we're living in like Twitter to screen. Like this is, I think this was the first to do it. So I was, I think the only other one would be like that, like tweets, like things dad say that got turned into that shitty, TV show, I think that was a thing. Oh. <laughs> so those were our movie going experiences. I think we should probably the first of many, get... hopefully. Yes, right. Getting back into the oh, theater. I'm, I'm so hyped now. 100%. This is it. I know. I've been so frustrated because, like, I've been so busy, and like, all I want to do is spend like a whole day in a movie theater. But the light at the end of the tunnel is there, and I can see it. And my day in the sun, or I guess my day in the dark. It's coming. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, okay. Let's get into He Got Game. I know you have a little synopsis and some context. Yeah, I'll give the synopsis and then we can uh, jump into our time machines. So, uh, Spike Lee's He Got Game. It's a 1998 movie. And the premise is this. Jesus Shuttleworth He's the number one high school basketball player in America. The film takes place during his senior year, and more specifically, a week before he's to sign his letter of intent for college. Being the number, uh, being that he is the number one player in the nation, he this has provided him options to play anywhere. Any school that he wants is going to take him, including the NBA itself. A lot of talk, his skills could get him in the big leagues right out of high school. And as he's going through this process of trying to figure out what he's going to do, everyone in his life is showing up and they want a piece. They want their piece and they want their say and how uh, and what he does, including his father, uh, who is uh, currently in jail at the beginning of the film. You're not sure why. And uh, he's given the opportunity to reduce that sentence if he can convince uh, his son to choose a specific school. Uh, And so he's given sort of a week to make that, uh, to make that push on him, on his son. Uh, And it's a relationship. The movie is like a relationship between the son and his father uh, and their past, their shared past as being father and son. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's get in our time machines. (laughs) 
We're going to go all the way back to 1997, where Spike Lee uh, is coming off writing uh, his book, Best Seat uh, in the House, a basketball memoir, which is a book Mm. about the rise of basketball and also Spike's sort of intimate relationship with it. And it was around this time that his quote-unquote beautiful wife, Tanya, uh, came up to him and told him that it was time for him to write uh, another original screenplay because the people had not heard his voice, his own, his, his voice in, in so long. Uh, that mm-hmm. being his last film that he had actually written was Jungle Fever, which is like his fifth film. So this was like much earlier on. He's done a bunch of movies since then. And she just feels like he needs to get his voice out there. So being consciously inspired by all the basketball that he was thinking about while writing the book, and possibly inspired subconsciously by a recent soured relationship with his own father, Spike went on to write He Got Game. Spike says that the film is not about basketball, but that it's about parents and their children. But he mm. was determined to cast a basketball player in the, in the lead role of the film in order to sell the sport on screen. Mm-hmm. Having watched all the basketball films during the writing of the book, he came to understand that the only way to sell basketball on screen was not by teaching actors to play basketball, but to teach ball players how to act. Uh, Kobe was actually his first choice, but after a defeat in the playoffs that year, Kobe just, everything got let go and everything went uh, into putting time in the gym and training for the next season. So that left a whole bunch of other people like Tracy McGrady, Allen Iverson, Rick Fox, who we actually see in the movie, um, Stephen Mulberry, and Uncut Gems' own Kevin Garnett. These were all people who were being looked at for the film. Um, oh but my in gosh. the end, yeah, uh, in the end, it did go to Ray Allen, and he actually mm-hmm. spent like eight months leading up to the film training and acting. Um. Now, I need to know, how do you feel about that decision in terms of mm. casting of Ray Allen, his uh, performance in the movie? And just like yeah. overall, like what are your thoughts uh, on the film? Well, this is one of my f- like favorite films of all time, like top 10 for sure. And I love it so much. I don't think it's without its issues. In terms of Ray Allen, I think it's quite easy to kind of like look at his performance and be like it's lackluster like he's clearly not the best actor um you know it's a bit choppy his line delivery is like again kind of choppy but when i was kind of like looking at it again last night I've always thought that. Like, I've always, every time I watch this film, I'm just like, haha, like, Ray Allen is not a good actor. Um, but I was watching it and I was like, you know what? Like, it's not that he's a bad actor. He's just like clearly just an inexperienced actor. Um, I think he does bring basketball to the role. Like, I, I know that in what you were just saying that, like, Spike Lee said that the film's not about basketball, it's about parenting, which it very much so is, but, like, basketball is, like, a character in this film, I, yes. I'd say, like, just based on the montages and, 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 like, the passion and, like, love and respect that it's given. Um, and I think Ray Allen, honestly, I couldn't imagine anybody else playing, 
playing Jesus. Like, there's something about him, like, I don't know if it's the angst or, like, just, like, the drive. I, I feel like, even though he, you could say he's objectively bad, like, I'm still kind of always entranced by him. Like, he's obviously very attractive as well. And, like, that the ha- fits are great. <laughs> yeah, which, which doesn't hurt. But yeah. <laughs> I just think that, like, I do think he was the man. Like, he, he, he was the man for the role. Like, how do you feel yeah, about I mean, it? We were talking a little bit back and forth, like, before we recorded, um, mm-hmm. after I saw the movie the first time. And when I left that movie, I thought, one, I was completely taken aback by how amazing this movie is. Um, yeah. I call myself a fan of Spike Lee, but I definitely have not traversed his, like, filmography as deeply as I could. But I've always been immensely affected by the Spike Lee movies that I've seen. And mm-hmm. uh, this is easily moved its way up to, like, my second favorite Spike Lee movie yeah. Uh, uh, from what I've seen, it's incredible. Um, it really and is, the, and so yes. unbelievably underrated. I can't believe like this isn't talked about as much as it. Yeah, uh, like it's not it's, like canon for like for Spike Lee for some odd reason, but it's so like it's I'm not even like, talked about in his. It's not even talked about in his wiki. Like I was going through, and it's like yeah. it's not even a line in his wiki. It's like this yeah. just gets told, and it opened up when this movie came out. It opened up at number one. Like, it was huge at oh, the time. Wow. And then, yeah. the following week, Deep Impact came out and pushed that oh, all away. Shit. So he got defeated by Deep Impact. Um, Fucking white people. God damn it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and another another notch on the Armageddon belt, because it was an Armageddon, it was Deep Impact that did yeah. it. So. Um, but when we were talking, I mentioned the one thing that like kind of left me hanging on this was his performance. I just felt yeah. like everyone else in this movie is giving exactly what you need. Yeah. And every time that he would speak, it would just be like, pull me right out. And mm-hmm. that was like really disheartening because I felt like there was a, there's such an amazing story here on display. Yeah. Uh, and then having a chance to like rewatch it a bit and settle into the performance, I yeah. started, it started to grow on me a bit in the way that like when you see athletes talk on camera or get interviewed there is an uncomfortability there uh, uh, they're not showmen in that yeah. same way i mean they're more media trained now but especially like even just a few years ago they're just not as media trained as you can totally. so he sort of gives a little bit of that energy of a young kid who's like being given much more responsibility than he necessarily should have. And it sells it a little bit better. Do I wish we could have had an actor who could play basketball? Yes. Um, okay. That would have helped a lot, especially if it was made like now. I'm sure that would have been a much easier find. Yeah. But what we lose in his acting and his performance is made up huge in – the basketball that was able to get captured in this movie and the images that spike captures of the sport in all its beauty. uh, Yeah. It was, it was 100% the right move. Um, And Mm. I think over the next few years, the more I watch it, I'm sure I will get used to his performance and, and still wishing there was, we could have got 
the full experience of an amazing actor at the same time. But I'm, yeah. I'm fine with letting that go if it means we get the rest. Especially because it's like equal. I feel like the story is like equally about um, Jesus, like Ray Allen's character, as much as it is about Denzel, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like if you're having to like meet like do be like have all these scenes with like Denzel Washington you've never acted before and honestly like I do think that this is one of Denzel's best roles like his manner like he he settled into that role like his mannerisms the way he spoke the way he talked just like little things you catch him doing again you'll learn to appreciate like the more and more you watch the film because it'll it will actually absolutely blow your mind um I love, I obviously like love film and there's certain actors that I really love, but there's very few roles that I've seen like actors play where I feel like they, like I can't see them. Like you dis- they disappear into the role. Exactly. Okay. I don't know yeah. why I struggled so much to get that out, but like, <laughs> yeah. that's how I feel about Denzel in this role. Like mm. I have never watched this film and I'm like, that's Denzel Washington. Like I'm watching it and I'm just like, this is this character. Like it's so lived in. It's so like special. And so for like Ray Allen to be up against that is kind of wild. Like th- that's like, I imagine he would have been like quite intimidated, but maybe Denzel was just as intimidated playing a game of one-on-one with Ray Allen. Like, you know what a- I mean? Actually, actually it turns out because I was doing some research, he oh. was not intimidated in the slightest, actually, in playing one-on-one with him. So this this is the greatest story ever. So in this script originally, uh, there's a scene that we're going to get into like in two seconds because I'm going to bring it up. But uh, where uh, Denzel and Jesus have a one-on-one game. And yeah. it's sort of the climax of the movie. And originally in the script, Jesus was supposed to beat his father – 12-0, uh, 11-0. Like, he was never supposed to get any buckets. But Denzel right. was like, I'm, there's no chance I'm gonna, I'm gonna score at least one basket on you. Cause he had yeah. played basketball. He considers himself like a baller, like a basketball player. And Spike knew he's like, okay, something's gonna happen. And so leading up to production, he had told, uh, Ray Allen, like all this stuff about his left side being injured and how he's been trying to rehabilitate it. And sh- every time they would play, he would play like right side style. And then come shoot, shoot day, Denzel, like, oh my gosh, that one, the basket you see, he put that on Ray mm-hmm. Allen for real. He spun around, put it in, put the basket in, and then got like two or three or four more like fluke shots in. And then that's how like this that went for, and that's why it's like that in the movie. Um, I love that that happened because I think that if he like getting into like the characters a little bit and like the father son dynamic, right? I think it's like Denzel's character has been like just like there's that one line where he's like i'm the one who put the bass like the ball in your crib like i he's been like on his son's ass like his whole life and he's like i want you to be something i want you to get out of here uh like get out of the hood like coney island um which is another like thing in itself because it's like obviously 
you know, plays into this thing of like black man gaining success. It's like you're either a rapper or a ball player right. or whatever. Yeah. But he just does become like naturally talented and just becomes the best and becomes better than than Denzel. And you can see that like his Denzel is like carrying that throughout the film that pride like he's like i'm the one who like built you up and right. you know what i mean like if it weren't for me like there would be no you and and also i think he like needs to tell himself that he's like still got it he's he's still just as good or better um and i think that if we got to that like climax like the game the climax at the end and it was just like jesus dunking on denzel with like zero i think it i don't think it would have been a, as impactful as it as it ends up being, you know, because I mean, spoilers, but Jesus wins, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. No, yeah. but it's, it's no, but it's true though because I remember watching it and I was like, "Whoa!" Like I can't believe he's getting baskets right now. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. And then uh, Jesus like turns up the gas at a certain point, and you're like, "Oh, he's just been letting him get baskets." For, yeah. for the for now and now he's gonna shut him out and i and that dynamic of like you said where where jack uh, denzel is like where he's trying to like maintain that pride uh and that mm -hmm. like in like uh yeah pride and to watch that sort of get like ripped from him yeah. but then also him f being okay with that in a way and totally. like accepting that fate is like such a huge character moment um yeah. it's like big growth and like just Kind of like as vulnerable as you'll see that character being, right? Honestly, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah, it's true. Um, but it's like his—he's had so much. Like he's been through so much shit. Like he's in jail. Yeah, actually, and and you know, yeah, and just like in or actually to kind of speak on that and like transition into that. Like I said uh, up top, I didn't know what this movie was about, and I had a lot of preconceived notions on what this movie was in terms of mm. its themes and what it, and when you mentioned it for like parenting i was like oh this is just a movie about like a dad who like works his kid too hard and kind of treats no. him like poop and then you know and and that the and him having to reckon with it that was my assumption mm -hmm. of what this movie was and what this movie is is so much more than what that is and the way that spike lays out the story in such a way where it forces you to like have all of these preconceived expectations of who he is. He's a black dude. He's in jail. Like mm -hmm. there's sort of some sketchy shit surrounding like him being in jail and why he's there. And, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's also, you know, the whole, you know, inciting incident of him getting the opportunity to leave jail in order to like mm -hmm. convince his son to change schools. You're like, okay, I know who this guy is. He's like a, he's a dirtbag. He was never there for his mm -hmm. kid. And the whole movie is like sort of makes you fall into that trap of believing that that's the case. And he dishes out information bit by bit in the small way that you slowly start to get the larger context of what had happened, the death of his wife, Jesus's mom, how, mm -hmm. like how that happened, how his, how their relationship was when they were young. Yes. And there's this amazing scene. Uh, sequence of scenes in the middle of the film where first it's you you finally get an understanding of who the mother was uh through a letter mm -hmm. that she sends Jesus who's away at like a basketball camp 
And then that uh, sequence yeah. falls into this very intense situation where Denzel, as a much younger dude, training Jesus, who is a much younger son at that time, training him and how hard and difficult and forceful he is on him and how like little, res- not respect, but like how little care for his feelings because he knows how mm-hmm. difficult life is. So he's like putting it on him and you sort of hate how mean he's being. And then the last part of the sequence is you find out that uh, Jesus's mom, Denzel's wife is killed by Denzel accidentally through like, like a sort like he's being yeah. angry at well, Jesus and sort of pushes yeah. her away and she knocks her head and the whole death is accidental. And now all of a sudden, mm-hmm. like your whole idea of like who, who this man is, what the relationship is all of a sudden yeah. is 12 times more complex and so 100%. much more and so much more nuanced. Mm-hmm. And you kind of get a little bit more insight into Jesus as well, because you're like, clearly he's also like as much as he outrightly blames his father for like the death of, of their mother, which I, I believe is like, right. Yeah. Um, but also complicated. He clearly carries that on his shoulders as well and feels guilty. Right. Because it's like, I mean, he was, a kid be, like he he was like the subject of like you know his da- his father's temper which is like not his fault he was a young kid and just trying to please his father but then it's just kind of like the spiral of being like if i didn't act up which is not like it wasn't his fault again like i don't i'm not condoning no, but he holds child blame of no, course he holds you, blame. Uh, you, of course yeah it's, and then like, yeah but that's <laughs> To me, when that whole sequence happens, it just opened the movie up to me in a million ways, just in terms of yeah. the care he's showing for these characters, the depth, like this, the not simple, like simple story. Like I, this very easily could have been a super simple story and like yeah. really just hit basic beats, but this just, it opens it up in such a way and it slowly becomes not just a movie about just a father and son, but like parents and mm-hmm. like what Jesus is even just, and I really only caught on to this, like in my second watch, but like Jesus and his sister are such incredibly strong, resilient people, but have such a caring and compassionate heart. And it's so clear that they are a byproduct of both of their parents. And I love that the movie like, doesn't just doesn't shy away from that, but like embraces. Yeah. And gives the mother, with not much screen time or much story time, like, is so impactful in terms of understanding why he is as grounded and, like, strong as he is. Because it's, like, both of them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's just, I think all, like, the character work is just so strong. Yeah. And you just, like, get so much. And I think that it, like, it is so layered because there's just so much about it that if you were to look at it from like a surface level, it's, you know, we're like looking at certain stereotypes and then kind of like subverting those and just like tearing them apart from the inside out, which I think is important, right? Especially in 1997 um, for like Spike Lee to just kind of like have that insight. And well, I mean, obviously it's partly lived experience, but, and be able to put that on screen and I do think that's one of the reasons, like, why this film is so, has been so slept on, right? Because, like, 
I think with like all the language and like energy we have towards kind of like letting trying to like understand the world around us like right now um, and like talking about like, you know, blackness, black men and black parenting, which I think is like a big thing, um, you know, and that happening all out in the open. I think those conversations weren't having much happening much at all back then so i could imagine like people watching this film and being like what's going on like (laughs) yeah why why am i like sympathizing with a man who killed his wife you know what i mean um but it's like oddly greatly appreciated um just in terms of like modern context what i think is really interesting about the movie is it it doesn't pretend like there's something about sort of representation where like sometimes we can start seeing characters be put Mm -hmm. in weird positions like oh we're just going to take this one character that we wrote and they're just going to be like black now or something yeah and there are movies (laughs) where that right and you know what i mean and like there will be like oh yeah be stories where it's like yeah but like a black dude wouldn't necessarily like treat a cop in the way that this character is treating a cop, like in this story, yeah. or like, or, or 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 something. You know what I mean? And there is like a sort of a disconnect in terms of representation, yeah. in terms of like what are you representing? And like what I love yeah. about this movie is it's just like no, this is like the There's complications. An to it. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. And I, I just and like in terms that. of, and just to like loop it back around to parenting because it's like obviously Ian like. <laughs> 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 I know this is a bit of a, a stretch and like an oddball pick in terms of like ways to explore parenting, but I do think that like w- I mean I'm not a parent, but I have a cl- I've have a close relationship with my parents for the most part, and it's like you see how I don't know it's just like obviously like our relationships with our parents change; they're different at different points in your life. Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, that's also something that, like, everybody's trying to figure out, I could only imagine. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, a constant, like, you're constantly learning and and fucking up and yeah. doing things that you shouldn't be doing or, you know, doing things that you think are, are like, the best way. But, unfortunately, you're, like, instilling trauma on your child. Again, Ian, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't think you're <laughs> I don't think that you will be doing that but um I just think like that, that this is a good exploration of that because I think at the end like Denzel kind of like you see his you know it's like clearly when we meet him um when he's getting the offer to be let out of jail a also just like a side note thing that opening sequence like where they're kind of or not like the basketball stuff but like where they're setting up like the situational stuff is brilliant. Like you just get so much the way it's edited, like, and the way it's cut is just brilliant. Yeah. But you can tell, like, he's been in jail. He's been working on himself. Sure, but he gets out. He gets out to the streets, and it's just like you realize that, like, his relationship with his son is like pretty broken. And I think at that the point in time when he's released, he would kind of like throw his arms up and be like, I did the best I could. Like, despite this terrible thing that happened, like with the mother, like I've done my best. Like I did this for you. I did all that. Um, so I, and I think it's just like an interesting character growth for him to realize, like, you know, maybe he's, I don't know, maybe, 
yeah, like maybe I pushed him too far. Like maybe like this was a toxic trait that Mm -hmm. I like passed along or like, like, you know what I mean? Just stuff like that. Well, I think like with parents, like they're, I actually just was having this conversation with my mom recently about that, you know, there's comes a point in your life when you realize that your parents are real people. (laughs) Like they're not just Mm -hmm. like this sort of like fear of God, like bigger than human. Yes, like this entity. Right. They're just like, no, they're like you making decisions, doing their best to like do their job, even though like, like I can't even keep my dishes clean, let alone like raise a kid, you know? And so it's like, there is that realization that like your parents are human. And I I love that that sort of like the, is sort of the thing at the end of the film where they both acknowledge like what's happened and the trauma that's been inflicted and what's that, what that caused and all this other stuff. But they sort of like come together at like, okay like yeah you know like there's a i understand now they go through that change and i like that is so powerful and just just it's like healing to think about like Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like i've never had that extreme of a relationship with my parents ever but it's just like there is something about that relationship that you just it it would take a lot for somebody to like want to sever ties but like with their parents or you know things like that and it's just kind of like i don't know it's just like parents are so important yeah and it's just like obviously they had a pretty like broken relationship but it was just like so lovely and like healing to like see them be like listen like reconcile some shit has gone down and like just like the idea of kind of like restorative restorative justice and like people genuinely changing for the better because i think that's something like the world needs to make more space for in in general is just Mm -hmm. like accepting that people can like fuck up bad like really bad and they can come back from that and be like listen and like genuinely within their hearts and souls like want to change and i and i think that's like something i wish i could see more of currently in the world and like yeah and i i think too like that whole like last sequence where yeah. um you like Denzel is in the courtyard and he's got the mm-hmm. basketball and he's like walking up and it's like an overhead shot and you see it just as like uh out of bounds yeah. and he's stuck in jail and then it cuts to uh, Jesus, and he's wearing the university jersey that is like the one that was going to let his father like get out, and mm-hmm. this uh, and there's this amazing scene where he basically is like he throws Denzel throws this basketball like over the fence, which is like a callback to a previous scene, but yeah. this ball then like mysteriously sort of like lands in the gymnasium that Jesus is playing in and he gets the ball. And there's this amazing like moment of this thing where it's like, Oh, I love it so much. He, he, of all the bad, like his dad was doing this, like it was for Mm -hmm. him to get out, like not to be trapped by this system that is keeping everyone intact. He's not going to have to go to jail now. He's going to go and he's going to live his life. And like everything that like Denzel's character has done was for this. And the understanding that like Jesus now has of 
the sacrifice and the energy that his father had put into him. And like, as much as like, obviously the death of his mother affected him, he Mm -hmm. was not going to allow the weight of that bullshit to like come in between them. And he is now going to be better, which is like, and not, yeah. Well, because just like the whole point of like being a parent is like you're making totally. this thing that is like be- that can hopefully become better than you, like a better version of you, like a better thing in the world, like yeah. at least like in my limited perspective, right? And so to have that moment is just like, mm-hmm. and the imagery of that, the sort of like mystical quality, just so ru- powerful ruined me, like totally ruined me. It, it oh, was yeah. just incredible. You're like, making me emotional right now. Like I'm almost <laughs> about to cry. No crying, but because it. It's so true. It's yeah. so true. Like yeah. that is par- well, I like obviously we don't know, but like yeah. that is how I feel like my, like my mom feels about me. That's how I feel like you probably feel your parents feel about you. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, you and don't like want to be would trapped. do anything and like you said before, like we get caught up in our own shit. Like at first it was tunnel vision. He just wanted to get out of jail. He thinks he can be a better father on the outside. He's just another black man in jail with like, and Jesus is just another black boy without a father, you know? And then I think just kind of like coming to that, like ending being like, no, like, yes, this is the situation, but like, I have a fucking father. Um, Even that one scene when he's trying on the Jordans and the, and the, the boy is just like sees his um what is it the ankle ankle the uh, like house arrest like ankle like yeah yeah the ankle bracelet yes (laughs) is that what it's called help us out here anyways and just like the respect that that like young black man gives denzel washington like it takes him aback for a moment and he's just like oh like i got arthritis or whatever and so guys like yeah my uncle has arthritis like yeah. it, a lot of people are getting it out here like you know what i mean and i think that's just like the societal really understanding of like the pressures it's like yeah there are yeah g- guys are coming in and out of jail in that area all the time and yeah. like trying to you know get their shit back together and there's like no yeah. judgment on who he is or why he's there it's just like cool man yeah i know that i know all about your story another thing is just like with the whole like passing of the ball scene i think that there's also like a lot of kind of symmetry like throughout the film that kind of like sets not like doesn't necessarily set like jesus and his father up as equals but like it shows like all the ways that they're similar mm-hmm. uh, in like a weird way like i can't quite articulate it but like that one scene where it's like um jesus is playing like shooting hoops like with his cousin and then it sh- cuts to Denzel in the courtyard in jail doing the exact same thing. And there's just, like, a lot of, like, little nods like that. Little, um, little like, mirrored moments. Sometimes they're, yeah. like, juxtaposed, and sometimes they're just, like, yeah. sprinkled throughout. There's an, an amazing small moment of exactly this, where there's yeah. a scene where they're walking together on a boardwalk, and it's, like, the first time when they're actually talking without sort of, like, putting walls up between them. And the, yeah. they um, they start walking together, and they both rub their nose in the exact oh, same yeah. way. That's like little moments like that yeah. where it's just like, whoa! The visual storytelling in this movie this is th- so good, is incredible. And it's like that other, like another thing about parenting is just like your children, obviously being an extension of you, right? Mm-hmm. And I think like that's something that Denzel's character gets caught up in because. 
he's just like, well, like he's he Jesus is now my chance to like redeem myself because I've fucked up so bad. And I think like somewhere that the growth comes from, which I think we've already touched on is him finally accepting that like, it's not about me, you know, like it's not about Jesus being me or being better than me or being worse than me or like whatever. It's about him like living the best life possible and like, you know, Mm. just like doing all the things that I maybe couldn't. And like, I'm okay with that. Like it's not resentment. It's like, it's, it's weird. Like love. Yeah. Right. It's weird actually, because I, I I I know I got that vibe sort of at the beginning of my first viewing but by the end and I think it's sort of like suppla- like it, it actually was verified for me sort of watching it again is I don't ever think Denzel's character ever has ill intent or selfish intent the entire time like for, no. from my perspective it's ne- like I don't think he ever is willing I don't think he's ever willing to trade what his, like if his son didn't want to do like didn't want to take that team i don't think he yeah. ever i think there is a bit of him who would like wants the opportunity to get out but mm-hmm. the idea at the end when he defeats him in that basketball game to me it's like him realizing that he has done it like he's beaten me and in beating me he's ready like yeah. his job is done like, at a certain point, you need to be able to, like, let your kids go and let them try at life mm. and do things. Yeah. And it's, like, that's the moment where he's, like, no, okay. I've he's, <laughs> he's come to check to make sure that he's good. Like, yeah. that he's done, like, that he's ready to go. And <laughs> at that moment, it's, like, he knows now that he's fine totally. with whatever happens. And it's, like, in letting that go, in opening it up to him, like, his his son also then realizes, you know, and then he picks the team that he needs, and then all yeah. of it, uh, in theory, works out it for everybody. It Yeah. In theory. Except, except for Denzel gets dogged by the prison and the governor, obviously. Right. <laughs> which is just, like, such a t- tongue-in-cheek thing, and it happens so quickly. I think it's, like, on the front of a newspaper where it's just, like, oh, like, man escapes from prison or something. Right, yeah. And I don't just- know if you caught yeah and you're just like all so of they that. like just set him up yeah just to like take that from him and it's just like yeah but that's the system right then it's like okay oh yeah well i mean another just quickly like another layer to this film and like commentary is just like kind of the way so it's like basketball obviously is a very like you know majority black sport you know i know like people from all over the world play it like it's not like necessarily a black thing but in north america it is like the culture that surrounds basketball it's is blackness right um but then the people who own the teams and manage the teams and do all that are rich white guys um which is whatever like i don't know that much about basketball like i can't I can't say, like, for sure what goes on, but, like, whenever there's a bunch of rich white guys involved, it's kind of... And then... And... (laughs) Whenever there are a bunch of rich white guys are involved with, like, you know, majority, like, black people who are, like, the the face of the franchise, you know something's fucking fishy, but (laughs) I think it's, like, an interesting commentary of just kind of, like, how... Like, just, like, the puppeteering that can kind of, like, go on. In, oh, in yeah. Well, you see that in those, the movie, even with, like, yeah. when he's going to the basket, when he's going to see colleges, 
and he's like mm-hmm. being introduced to like this is what's going on like this is you come to this school like this is how we'll treat you these are the experiences that you can have you know they're totally. like they're getting these like two white chicks to come up and like make out with him and you know they end up he oh, ends God. up like sleeping with two girls like two like mm-hmm. sex workers that they hire for him like in a dorm room and they're like fe- like you're going to get so much like you're going to get so many women and like it's going to be amazing and it's just this whole idea of like all of this puppeteer even like his own coach is sort of like giving him money to try and like figure out what's going on and get information yeah. his his even his girlfriend is like trying to get a piece and it's just like yeah. there's so much stuff that's going on behind the scenes of like puppeteering yeah. all of this stuff that it's just like it's so corrupt the whole thing is corrupt 100%. in and up and down it's so it's so interesting it's it's amazing that he's able to like get all of these different I- like ideas in one film like he's that's what's so great about him and the yeah. films of his that I love like Spike's Spike Lee can just imbue so much into a movie 100 percent. it's uh, like just such an enriching experience that yeah you can just get so much out of every little moment has something absolutely we're running up the tape i thought that this was going to be like a short episode i was like we're without our third yeah that sounds like weird like we're a thruple but without <laughs> our third we have the one <laughs> who can with- the, the one who's like controls us to slow us down from yeah. talking too much he's not here now so that's the problem yeah with but our, yes. our d- dad dad is not here he's not the oh kid. that that was also weird see <laughs> this is what happens that's right we can't be trusted <laughs> before we wrap up is there anything you wanted to talk about um before we get into some categories i mean a million things but we don't have the time so we don't have just the time everyone please go and watch this movie if just you've not seen movie. it it's amazing yeah. Uh, if you have seen it, watch it again because it's worth multiple watches. A hundred percent. And Ian, if you're listening, <laughs> J- listen. Just take your kid to the podcast booth. Isla yeah. can go train her, but just don't overtrain her. Let her experience yeah. some things outside of podcasting. Let her not just keeping the yeah. her in the booth all day. I can't wait to see the yeah, plush just put microphone. A microphone in her crib. <laughs> yeah, the little plush microphone. That's oh. right. Oh my god. Um I think we got pretty into like the parenting and why we think, you know, this is like s- such a good representation of just kind of like the nuanced life of of parenting um yeah. and us trying to kind of explore that. But for old time's sake, though this is not in the criterion, um and I think it should be. I think it could be, like don't you? Uh yeah. I I, I mean yeah. if it's not, is it not? It's not, no. That's an outrage. Should be in the criterion. Cannot express it. Yeah, that this has criterion written all written over all, it. Yes. Um but for old time's sake, buddy, what mm-hmm. was your criterion moment? Um so many. So many <laughs> moments. Literally so many. One I asked you to like look at and watch that will not get brought up here. But it's fine. Oh, okay. It's okay. Okay. Um, the highlight of this movie is the basketball game between uh, Denzel Absolutely. and Jesus. Just one, the cinematography. It's gorgeous. Yeah. The use of like this black, I uh, sorry, blue uh, floor with the yellow outlines of like the mm-hmm. the, the field or the, the, oh my God. 
like the floor, like the hoop, it's like all that stuff is in like yellow. And Mm -hmm. just the way it's shot, the fluidity of the way he captures the sport, the movement of basketball. I've just started watching basketball over like the last five or six years. And it's, he captures that feeling so well in that scene. And just Mm -hmm. it's led into by all of this knowledge that you learn about the history of what's happened what what's happened mm-hmm. to these two and like what's ha- the history and this just is them laying it all out on the court like this is how these two people communicate is through basketball mm-hmm. like in a weird way and i, also, I just love that just like speaking to another one of our favorites love in basketball like who doesn't love a yeah. movie with like a cumulative one-on-one basketball game f- with high fucking stakes Right. Yes. Yeah. I don't know why. Such, I don't know why filmmakers don't use this trope in like every movie. Because then yeah, your everyone movie would should be, be playing perfect ten ten movie. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Just end every movie with a high stakes basketball game. Yeah. <laughs> Remove good. every shootout from every yeah. movie and replace those shootouts exactly. with basketball games. Yeah. If Zola was just <laughs> a basketball game at the end, I would have been like, "This is the best thing I've ever seen." Perfect. This dumpster fire of a movie is suddenly amazing. Um, <laughs> so what was your criteria? Okay. Honestly, that, but like just in the spirit of shouting out all the, the great shit that happened in this film, um, I really love the scene when he, Jesus and uh, his father er, are talking on the court, like outside of his apartment. And, he, and Jesus is talking about like why he doesn't like his name. And do, oh, do yes. you remember that scene? And, yes. and he, he's like, he goes, Why did you- I, he's like, I gave you that name because it's a strong name. And he's like, I fucking hate my name. And then it like segues to like his mom, like calling him out the wind, calling like Jesus out the window. And he's like, everybody thought she was like a religious freak, but she was just like calling my name. But there's something about it that like sets I don't know. It just like gives like more depth to like the character of Jesus. It's also the first time you're introduced to like the mom, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yep, yep, that's right. And it's just like it's like an interesting dynamic going. So that's a good one. And then also the opening. I'm pulling a catcher right now. Yeah, do it. The opening sequence of just like with like the like classical music, I guess, um, and just like sh- random shots of people playing basketball. Um, and then there's like a s- sequence like further into the film where you first see Jesus playing basketball out like in, in like the court in the projects. Uh, and there's like classical music again was really amazing. The cinematography is great there. Yeah. Um, when you first meet Lala, like there's so we didn't even talk about Lala for yeah. Zaria Dawson's character. But like there's so much good shit. Yeah, um, so so just watch the movie. So, you know what we're talking about. Yes, please. Everyone should watch the movie. <laughs> Are are you ready for emails and letters? We are. Mikey? I am ready. I am ready. Um, okay, cool. the, since this was a little bit of a secret, we didn't want Ian to know. That also meant that people didn't know we were recording. So, mm-hmm. and since this is like a an ode to parenthood and uh, <laughs> an episode dedicated to parenthood, I, I reached out to some of mine and Ian's friends. Uh, some of which are all dads, some of which are dads, and yeah. uh, got them to send to us some advice for Ian on his new journey as a father. Uh, so uh, I'm going to read a couple of those letters now. <laughs> we'll close out the That's episode. So and then at the end, 
we're going to let all of the wonderful voicemails that we got just play us out. Um, and those who don't want to hear all the parental advice, you can just skip that. And for Ian, he yeah. can just ride out into the sunset and listen to all the brilliant advice our friends have passed yeah. on to him. Because we love you, Ian, and we're, like, so happy for you. And That's also, right. like, if you don't want to listen to parenting advice, it's like, who are you, right? Like, can be applied yeah. to cats and dogs. That's right. So, you know? I'm, be I'm, better I'm pa- taking notes right now. I'm ready. Being a better parent makes you a better human, you know? Yeah. Okay, so the first uh, letter we have coming in uh, is from Proto Alexis. He was a guest on our Aww. show uh, for Fellini's Eight and a Half. Uh, and his letter is as follows. This is going to make me cry for sure. So, okay. I'm just going to grab okay, a tissue. Get it. All right. <laughs> We're starting with Brodo. Are you fucking kidding me? Of course. Okay. He's the master. <laughs> okay, uh, let's go. <laughs> congrats, Ian and Tara, on one of the great privileges and journeys that you can have in life. It's hard to think of what advice to give, but when I look back, the thing I wish I did more uh, um, did more of was record and document the fun little things my kids said and did. I I have three now, and while we do have pictures and videos and memories, it can be hard for us to keep them separate between the three kids. I know there are little <laughs> things that make my heart ache, but so much of it is lost to the fog of time, and I wish I had more of it. Sometimes you need to live in the moment, and sometimes you need to record that to cherish forever. <laughs> it's much easier to do it with the first kid, but save those memories, especially little mundane things that happen every day. That's from Proto. That's beautiful. My mom was always jokes with me because the first, when I was, I'm the first of the two and she's got like Mm -hmm. three or four albums worth of pictures. And my brother who came after has got like one or two because it was just like so (laughs) exciting to record that at first. And then it was like, she was like, well, that's less important. So whatever. Fair. And you, I feel like, well, like Ian's been pretty chill, like with the gramming, but like, I feel like if I, where or like when I have a kid, like I'm, I'm gonna get a lot of unfollows. Let's just say that. <laughs> okay. But I have been really enjoying a Proto's like when he like puts his kids on the gram. Like it's always like a either very adorable or like absolutely hilarious. Like I remember he just took one and it was like son was like screaming in the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, "This is real. Like, this yeah. is this is real life. It's not That's all most- like exactly Instagram <laughs> photos. It's mostly screaming and yelling." Yeah. <laughs> okay, so our last letter it's coming from our man Slim, uh, oh and he says, "Dear Ian, if I can give fatherly advice, it would be that when you watch action adventure movies starring Chris Pratt with your child." And enjoy them <laughs> and the experience of watching them with your child. To not log them on Letterboxd because you'll get grief for loving your child and loving that moment of movie watching together. <laughs> Except <laughs> if it's Space Jam 2, in which case you're okay to like that for whatever reason, I guess, and nobody griefs you for some reason, I guess. Anyways, see you later. Bye. <laughs> and as always, Slim, masterful troll. Oh, 100%. With if if I could be honest, a grain of truth. Oh yeah, for sure. Also, it's like <laughs> Letterbox is 
can be intense sometimes, like, especially with the 70 millimeter Discord, because it gets broadcast everywhere. <laughs> so, yeah. like, uh, like t- almost 200 people. Yeah. Um, that's 200 people with opinions. So, lots of strong opinions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are the two letters. Uh, okay. again, like I said, we've got a bunch more voice moves that we're going to attach to the back. Um, just to give people some space if they want it. And if not, they can dive right in. There's a lot. I've listened to all of them and we got some strong advice. I want to hear that. Also, like what's really happening here is we don't have Ian to play the voicemails for us. Like we usually would. We have no (laughs) idea what we're doing. No. Sophie will be editing this episode. We've pulled some favors. We are praying to Jesus. Um, well, it'll be know. out on Friday. Anyways, yeah. Okay, so I guess then we should talk about what we're going to do for next week. That's so right. we're going to do one more special episode for Ian. Um, and we're not going to make it a surprise this time because it's all out in the open. Um, yeah. And clearly with this, we went a little bit more on the serious route. Mm-hmm. So we pinkies up. are gonna pinkies up all the way up, you know. So next week we will be covering um, and joined by film hag extraordinaire Sophie Shin. We will be covering <laughs> Big Daddy, <laughs> <laughs> the comedic classic. The comedic comedic classic. You know, should 100% be in the Criterion. I actually don't know. I haven't seen this movie in like 15 years. It's been a but while. It's time. And this is going to be the conclusion to our little parenting series. Daddy's for daddy. Daddy's for daddy. <laughs> D for D. Oh, God, that sounds awful. Oh, Ian's going to come back. With, we're going to have, like, no listeners. I know. Gonna People be so are going to unfollow us on Instagram. They're going to be like, what have you done? But anyways. This is life. Thank you, guys. Life. Thank you, guys, for listening. Thank you, yes. guys, for sticking through this little hiatus of ours. Um, yeah. But we are coming that back strong. Kind of. Yeah. Soon. We're just going to have some fun. Yeah. In the meantime. When the parents are away, the kids will play. Ah, yeah. uh, exactly. I'll see I'll see you next week, Boo. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. If I make it. Okay. <laughs> bye. Hello Ian. This is Dirk Feelgood. How are you doing? Are you really tired? Congratulations on joining the dad club. Me and you share a certain synergy across the pond as my youngest daughter was born mere months before your daughter was born, wasn't she? And they both have very similar sounding names, don't they? Your daughter is called Isla and my daughter is called Iris. And we named them, didn't we? After our love of Apple products. And when the Synonauts sent out a message to see if we could give you some specific parenting advice, I thought, no, no, because I already offered you some honest advice, didn't I, Ian? And you told me point blank you weren't going to follow it. But I relented. And for the greater good, here are some proper good tips for you. Number one, rebrand swear words as adult words, because you're going to use them 
a lot. And if you call them adult words, you can get away with it without it seeming like you're doing a bad thing every time you say shit or piss, or even worse, shit piss. Yeah? Number two. I know you enjoy your music. So the best thing to do is get in as much listening as you can now because the leading cause of deafness in middle-aged men is a five-year-old screaming in their ear just because they want to break something. And that something is you. (laughs) And number three. Keep fit. Keep active. Keep going to the gym. So when somebody asks you an honest question of what do you bench, you can reply... All my personal hopes and dreams. But I can see from all the evidence that you're doing a cracking job, you and Tara, both as parents, it's a magical experience and the biggest privilege I have in my life to be a dad to two uh, bright, brilliant daughters. And I can't imagine a greater person to go on that voyage than you, Ian. So all the best and all the best to you, Sidonauts. Bye. Hey, Cynonauts, it's H, and I just want to say welcome back. We are so happy that you are returning, and you know we miss you so much, and just thrilled, thrilled to have you uh, here with us again every week. Just wanted to call in with a little piece of fatherly advice uh, for Ian. Ian, I know you're going to do great on the journey with Isla, and I'm sure all the other parents had tons of great feedback, but I will say one piece is... For you and Tara, not related to Isla, but just related to each other. And so that is my one piece of advice is don't forget that the two of you are the inner circle and that you can't take care of Isla unless you take care of each other and you take care of yourselves and make sure that you get time to be individuals and especially that you get time to continue to be together as a couple separate from Isla um, so that you guys can have a lot of fun and just enjoy each other. And, uh, and then it'll make that time with Isla that much sweeter. So congrats and welcome back. Can't wait to hear you all soon. Cheers. Synonauts, what is happening? Uh, this is a disgraced former podcaster, JLB, uh, calling on, behalf of my dear friend Ian who has recently had a beautiful daughter Uh, now I'm sure these voicemails will range from hilarious I'm thinking of you Dirk Feelgood to unnecessarily graphic Timo Thief uh, to somehow wonderfully sarcastic and kind at the same time slim Uh, I am more pragmatic in my advice. Uh, so, Ian, I'll tell you this. And you may have discovered something similar already. Uh, there will be a middle-of-the-night feeding that will result in a heinous, heinous number two. Uh, not you, the baby. Uh, you're going to want to start getting in the habit of putting her in things with either Uh, zippers that go just the bottom half of a onesie or zippers that go all the way up for her jammies only because I have been the victim of trying to snap buttons in the right spot when like I haven't slept for a day and maybe I I have not yet eaten or sleep like or I had like 35 minutes of sleep for an entire night and then that deuce that devil's deuce comes 
you're, you know, it, it, it takes what feels like four hours to change the child. And then after you've done the hard part of getting the diaper back on, and now you got the onesie, three buttons, that's a, that's a, don't worry about this, three buttons, but now you're getting the jammies back on. And trying to get those bottom buttons realigned might be as hard as cracking nuclear codes. So zipper it up. Don't drive yourself crazy. You know, that's why we invented zippers to replace the button. And that's basically all I have for you. I love you very much. Uh, I love you, Tara. Uh, thank you for this idea, Catcher and Boom. I hope you both are well. And uh, take good care, my little munchkin. Welcome back, Synonauts. Boom, Catcher, we missed you. But a special welcome back to new dad, Ian. Ian, it's art. I've seen these pictures. This baby, she is adorable. Proud of you, buddy. Uh, I myself, proud dad of three amazing kids, but the credit all goes to their incredible mom. To provide you with some parenting advice, I'm going to turn and draw from the world of cinema. This is a movie show after all. So first, things to avoid. The Shining's Jack Torrance. All-time bad dad. Ian, please keep this baby away from ghosts. Second, Tywin Lannister, awful dad, the worst, did not love his kids unconditionally. That's his problem. He played favorites. This got him shot in the gut on the toilet with a crossbow by his own kid. Spoilers, catcher, beep that out. Okay, some good examples, things we want to aspire to. Clark Griswold from Vacation, boundless enthusiasm for helping his kids make memories. Important job for dad. Also, you're going to want to be an example of standing up for justice and kindness, even when surrounded by relentless a-holes, just like Atticus Finch did in To Kill a Mockingbird. Great movie dad, all-time movie dad. Now, a more complicated case study, we turn to Tevia from Fiddler on the Roof, dad of five girls, hardworking Tevia. He's providing, he's busting his hump to put food on the table, but he has to learn to change and to improve to put his kid's happiness over and above his own biases. Does he do it? Can he do it? If you haven't seen Fiddler, put that on the satellite pick list. Puts fatherhood right in the spotlight. Okay, Ian, to recap. One, avoid ghosts. Two, show unconditional love. Three, learn to change and improve. Four, be an example of kindness. And five, help this kid make some amazing memories. Proud of you, buddy. Uh, you're going to be a great dad. Love you guys. Love the show. Binky's out. Synonauts, Mikey P here to talk love and basketball. I love this movie, but Omar Epps with that weak handle, that weak ass crossover, get out of here. Get ripped every single time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I wanted to give a special message to Ian and Tara. Congratulations on your new baby. You guys are going to do great. Happy for you. I'm supposed to give you fatherly advice, Ian, but I think you're going to figure it out. You're a good dude. I'm going to give you two life hacks instead, two parenting fatherly life hacks instead. Number one, and actually you have to wait a couple of years for this, but when she's a little older and you're playing with her and you're so tired, just keep playing. All right. It'll be worth it. But if you want to get a couple more minutes of shut eye, you do this game, you take a toy from her, and you say, I'm the dragon, I'm the sleeping dragon, and you have to silently try to get this toy back. And if I hear something, I wake up, you have to go back to start. And you can lie on the couch for like another hour, maybe, if you're lucky with your eyes closed, 
That's, that helped me out a lot. It's survival skills right now. Number two, take a moment for yourself. When you go to the bathroom, take like two extra minutes, three minutes with your eyes closed. Just sit there. Okay? That's your time. You need it. Because, man, they're every, they're Oh, yeah. Uh, just hold on. Like two minutes. Just. <sighs> okay. Okay. All right. I got to go. All right. Love you. Bye. Mikey P with a, a PS to my voicemail. The movie is He Got Game, Not Loving Basketball. My mistake. It must have been a Freudian slip. Why aren't we doing that movie? But He Got Game is great too. I remember watching with my stepdad and he fast forwarded the scene where Jesus gets recruited by that college uh, with those two recruiters. So I never knew what happened. Keeping in, in theme with the Ian fatherhood voicemail. I can't wait to find out what movie has a sex scene that you fast forward when you're watching with your daughter. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, Sidonuts. Hey, Ian. Congratulations again on your new baby. This is Timothy, by the way. I was told to call in and give some advice because I am a father of three lovely children. Uh, My advice to you, Ian, is to be a good father. Uh, Yeah. And once you've mastered that skill, uh, everything's pretty much easy. Got it in the bag. Uh, yeah, so let's review. Be a good father. Um, can't think of anything else because my brain has been destroyed by, uh, sleeping on the floor of a bedroom with my arm shoved through a tiny slot in the side of a crib so that the child can hold onto my finger as it sleeps for the last, uh, 12 years or so. Yeah. Um, maybe if I should get more sleep, I'd have more to think about, more to say. Anyways... Uh, be a good father. Yeah. Refer back to that. Yeah. Best wishes. Bye.